Hello everyone, it's Paul Birch here with another episode of the When in Spain podcast. Thank you for joining me for our regular journey through Spain's Spanish life and culture. Well, last week we were in Extremadura, near the Portuguese border. A couple of weeks ago we had a wander around the streets of Valencia. And this week we're whisking you away to the magical Andalusian city of Cordoba. And we're going to have a look around its Festival de los Patios, the annual patio festival. Because that's what we like doing on this podcast at the moment, is transporting you around Spain through the power of audio and, of course, your imagination as well. So think blue flower pots of vibrant geranium flowers of every colour imaginable, whitewashed houses, the scent of orange blossom drifting through the streets, tranquil patios and their trickling fountains. Helping to transport us there is my special guest for this episode. Yes, she's been on the show before, a friend of the podcast, Spain travel consultant Karen Rosenblum. Now, Karen had a tour organised of the Patio Festival down in Cordoba. It happens every year. Sadly, of course, that hasn't happened this year due to the current situation, uh, which we don't really need to go into. We all know uh, what I'm talking about. So what Karen decided to do was create a special week-long event in her wonderful Facebook community called Travel Spain, where she's been holding her own patio festival, patio competition. People have been sending in their photos and Karen's been running lots of other events and activities in her Travel Spain Facebook group, all related to Cordoba. So she's been trying to take us there virtually. So we thought, what better way to take you guys, the listeners, and indeed Karen's Facebook community to Cordoba than make a podcast all about Cordoba and the patio competition. So stay tuned. That's what we decided to do. We're recreating a wander around Cordoba, its narrow streets, and we're going to be following one of the patio routes around the city. And we're going to be stopping off, poking our heads through the doorways into these beautiful courtyards. And we'll also be covering a few must-see sites of Cordoba as well. But before we transport you off to Cordoba and its patios, time to say a big thank you to new When in Spain patrons. So a big thank you to Heather Bohannon and to Yvonne Lopez. Uh, muchísimas gracias to Heather and Yvonne. Thank you to you for signing up to become the latest When in Spain patrons and supporters of this podcast. And wow, this podcast is brought to you guys, the listeners, through the kindness of When in Spain patrons. So if you'd like to support them, support this podcast and the work that I do, uh, please do consider signing up to become a When in Spain patron from as little as just $1 a month. You can do that across at patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. And well, incidentally, patrons, existing patrons who already support the podcast, I've just published a brand new video for you guys, a little walk around Madrid I did last night, a little night walk of Madrid, taking in a few of my favorite places and uh, a talk about a project that I've got coming up as well. So if you're a patron, go and check out the video. If you're not a patron and you'd like to see the bonus video content that I produce, well, you know what to do. Patreon.com 
forward slash when in Spain. Anyway, let's go. Let's go and see these beautiful patios with Karen Rosenblum. Karen, thank you once again for joining the When in Spain podcast. Uh, a friend of the show, a repeat guest. Welcome back. The last time you were on the show, uh, we were wandering the streets of Madrid. Seems like a quite a distant memory now, something that we can't really do at the moment. Yeah, that was such a good memory. Actually, on my morning walks, uh, which are that, you know, as, as anyone living in Spain or as in Spain knows, we get an hour a day in our neighborhood. I've been going to Plaza de Olavide where we started and great memories. So thank you so much for having me back. Always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Karen. Welcome back. Well, we're not going to talk about Madrid in this episode, actually. Uh, we're going to be whisked off to Córdoba. Oh, yes. So over in my Travel Spain community, we are doing a week long event to coincide with La Fiesta de los Patios in the city of Córdoba. It was supposed to be an in-person event, but we all know what happened with that. So yeah. a few weeks ago, I got this idea. All right, let's bring it live, online, virtual, all over the world to the Travel Spain community. And when I started conceptualizing this week-long online trip that we're taking through our community, Paul was pretty much the first person that I thought of. So it's such an honor to be recording this episode with you. It makes me so happy, really. Likewise, Karen. Thank you for thinking of me. Um, now, you have the Travel Spain community on Facebook, a huge and active community for people who are who love Spain or are planning trips to Spain in the future or want to transport themselves to Spain virtually. Um, an amazing community that you've built uh, on Facebook there. And again, uh, the same with me with the podcast at the moment. What I'm trying to do is transport people, bring people to Spain who uh, had plans to come and visit but can't um, because of the situation with COVID-19 at the moment, obviously. But that's our plan today, right? We're going to whisk people off to Córdoba and uh, we're going to explore the patios, the Fiesta de los Patios. Let's just talk a bit about the Patio Festival first of all, and then we'll explore Córdoba, the city itself. But what is the Patio Fiesta? The Fiesta de los Patios. It is a festival that Córdoba has every May for the, usually the first two weeks. We'll see, you know, how that plays out in the future but the first two weeks in May of every year and it's a really special and beautiful festival it's actually my personal favorite in all of Spain because it's when you get the chance to explore what's behind those doors in the city of Córdoba you're like imagine you're wandering you're wandering down the narrow cobblestone streets looking at the those like cute little whitewashed houses and wondering, what's behind those doors? Well, most of those houses have patios, aka courtyards, which were built really for the climate. In Andalusia, it gets really hot in the summer. In fact, by this time in May, it's already usually 30 degrees, which is, I don't know, that's like 90 something in Fahrenheit. I'd have to look that up. Sorry, America, American. But, um, American friends in Fahrenheit. There. <laughs> I'm from California. I should know this. But, um, it, you know, sometimes it's 30, 35 degrees and already in May. So imagine the summer. And the courtyards, the patios are built really as kind of natural air conditioning. And it's an, it's an old Cordoba tradition. Um, a lot of them have fountains and the vegetation, I mean, the flowers, 
the colors, the flower pots. So there are these beautiful kind of indoor outdoor living spaces that really serves as a natural cooling place for the entire home because these houses don't have air conditioning. Yeah, so it's a natural air conditioning. And when we say, like you mentioned, when we talk about patio, it's basically an interior courtyard. So normally they are surrounded on all four sides by the house. And some of them have these kind of archways and cloisters as well, right? So a lot of them are built using Moorish architecture style, which think about the arches in the Mesquita in Cordoba. We'll get to that momentarily on our walk that we're about to do. But you see, not replicas, but you see these types of arches and other in various forms in these patios in, in Cordoba. And that's, you know, directly from Moorish architecture. The other thing that you see a lot of um, is the beautiful tile work that you think about when you think of the Alhambra or the Alcazar in Sevilla. You see these in the, this tile work in the private patios as well. So it's just gorgeous architecturally too. It really is a feast for the eyes, isn't it? So I've been to Cordoba a few times and I have uh, once been to the uh, patio festival. And you're right, you walk down these, I suppose, what are basically residential streets in the centre of the city. They're houses, you have these doorways, which are quite often closed, but uh, can sometimes be open. And especially during the uh, patio festival, you wander in, don't you? And it's just an explosion of colour of flowers and the tiles which you mentioned and even the flower pots are quite often painted different colors it's absolutely stunning you almost wouldn't guess that this this existed inside behind these wooden doors and that's what makes the festival so special that you get to see it that you get to experience this you know very private part of people's lives for two weeks there's 50 patios most of them are only private homes there's a few that are open to the public year-round which we'll get into a little bit when we go on our tour today but yeah you really get a chance to explore what's behind those beautiful doors in cordoba One thing that sticks in my mind about the Cordoba patio is let's, let's remember that these are private homes. Sometimes when the door is open, particularly in the summer months, you walk past the entrance and the doors are open. You get this waft of cool air that kind of bathes you. It's a real relief from the stark heat of the streets, isn't it? Like you were saying with the air conditioning, you get this kind of blast of cool air coming out from the patio, which is just an amazing sensation. It is. And you know it's working. And even if you can just take a little peek inside, which... Sometimes I do when I'm in when I'm in Cordoba or other Andalus cities when this festival isn't happening. You just get that little glimpse. But during La Fiesta, you get to see you get to see the whole patio and it's beautiful. Let's try and paint more of a vivid picture of what a typical Cordoban patio would look like inside these houses. You walk through the doorway, uh, you're faced with a a courtyard. Quite often the floor is tiled. You have tiles going up uh, part of the walls, which are different colours. Quite often sort of blues and yellows and oranges, which I believe they're called azulejos. What else are we going to see? Because we say you see flowers, which are almost always geraniums, right? The geranium flower, the geranium geranium plant. Yes, geraniums in every color possible. My favorite are the deep reds that are potted in those cobalt blue pots that you see in some of the patios. We're actually going to visit a pa- two patios that feature that on the route. 
but um, every other color too. So the lilacs, the fuchsias, those deep pinks, the yellow sometimes as well. And then sometimes, and Paul, you're going to have to fix my, my pronunciation. Sometimes you can see the bougain, bougandia flowers hanging down. Uh, burgandilla, I think. Burgandilla, I think it's the... Burgandilla flowers hanging down. They are stunning. You find those in uh, lots of places around Spain, don't you? Uh, a deep... Deep fuchsia. Fuchsia color, Maybe yes. I would describe it. And like, you know, against those whitewashed houses and then with the colors of the door frames, which, by the way, always match the flower pots. So if you see the blue door frames and the blue window frames, the flower pots are, you know, not, if it's traditionally styled, going to be that same blue. Same for the reds, the yellows sometimes, the greens all are often too. So it's like the door frames and the window frames and the pots are all painted the same color, but then the flowers are what adds even more colors. I didn't know that, that they uh, color coordinated their doors with the color of the, the flower pots. Amazing. Yeah, for the painted doors. I mean, sometimes you also see the earth tone flower pots that are filled with, you know, really colorful flowers. So you have the flowers themselves and then the greens from the branches or the leaves. But yeah, like, for example, when you if you think about it, when you when you think about the blue ones, all the window frames are painted blue as well as are the doors and then all the pots to match it. And then you have these vibrant colored flowers, fuchsias, reds, yellows coming out of these beautiful blue flower pots that are (laughs) matching a lot of the architecture. I'm sure many listeners to this episode will know exactly what we're talking about and may have even been to the Cordoba Patio Festival. But for those who haven't been to Spain before or or haven't seen one of these patios, I think it's important to mention that when we talk about these pots of geraniums, we're not talking just about, you know, a dozen pots on the floor of the patio. They're absolutely everywhere, right? I mean, there can be hundreds of these. Hundreds. Um... I'm actually envisioning a photo that I took last year, one of the years that I went, I've been several times, with this whole wall just lined of these, these are, I think, red or earth tone flower pots. And I mean, it just, I mean, they look like specks on a map. They're just everywhere. This is, yes, good point to bring up. It is an elaborate show of flowers. It's not a few plants in the corner. It's a very elaborate show of flowers as well. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at some of the photos that I've taken on previous trips to Cordoba. And, I mean, you imagine the patio, maybe the internal walls of the courtyard are two two stories uh, tall. And the, the pots are actually uh, fixed to the wall, but from literally from floor to rooftop all the way up. You might have, I don't know, going in a straight line from the floor to the roof, you might have 10 or 15 pots of geraniums, but just covering the entire interior walls of the courtyard. Yes. And then sometimes in the middle of these courtyards, you have fountains or you have even more vegetation being Cordoba, of course. A lot of these par- uh, courtyards, these patios have their own orange trees and or lemon trees or some sort of citrus trees. It is just it's so hard to describe with words, but we're going to try. <laughs> Important to mention as well that if you go to Cordoba at the end of uh, middle end of April, I think, when the orange blossoms are out, because there are orange trees all around the city, aren't there? All around the streets, you get this wonderful Everywhere. fragrance of orange blossom, which is just beautiful. 
Ah, yes. And we will be smelling that beautiful fragrance, too, because it goes into May. I mean, it's not as strong. That's a little introduction to the patios. Obviously, we're going to talk in a bit more detail about the patios a little bit later. Let's go back and rewind. And let's, um, for people who don't know Cordoba or haven't been there before, um, give a little overview of the city um, because it has got an absolutely fascinating history behind it. Let's talk a little bit about the history and also uh, some of the sites that we can see in the city as well before we start our little walking tour of the patios. So Cordoba is where really the three, I guess, classic textbook cultures, because there's obviously anyone in Spain knows that it's a multicultural country, but historically speaking, the three textbook cultures. So the Jews, the Moors, aka the Muslims, and uh, the Christians or the Catholics, all kind of converged more or less around the same time. I mean, there were war, there was harmony, there was a lot was happening in this long, during the Middle Ages. So um, Cordoba was basically where Spain's Moorish culture began. Also, Cordoba has a really, really strong Jewish history. Part of the reason that I'm so drawn to it is we trace my ancestry back to the southern Spain, to Andalusia, to the south of Spain, and really to Cordoba. So Cordoba also has a really strong Jewish history. All of Spain does, of course. Up until 1492, Jews lived all over Spain, the Sephardic people. Part of the reason I'm so drawn to Cordoba is we found out that that's where my ancestors probably came from, my Jewish ancestors. Um, and to this day, you can see so much of that Jewish history still still in Cordoba. You can go to the old synagogue. You can walk through the old Jewish neighborhood. So you see that. And of course, with the rose-colored glass of history, when the Jews and Muslims lived in harmony next to one another, working together to build great universities, libraries, advanced water systems for the time. It is just such a city where history came alive after the reconquest and after the Catholics you know, took over all of Spain. You see in the middle of the Mesquita, the cathedral was built right on top of that, which we'll get into. So you have Cordoba in your blood almost, really. You're a, a Cordobesa, we could say. Very much in my blood. And every time I go, I personally do feel it. Um, there's a reason that I'm drawn to it. And Patios Festival is my favorite festival in all of Spain. And Cordoba is one of those cities that I tell my clients, a lot of people just go as a day trip uh, from Sevilla or on the way from Sevilla to Madrid. I really think it's important to take it in, spend a few days, enjoy just the quaintness, the quiet, the beauty that Cordoba has to offer because the Mesquita is grand and amazing, but there's so many places just to wander. And that's another thing I love about this festival. You get to do that. Yeah, and you get to wander um, be nosy and have a look inside people's houses, well, almost into their courtyards. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, important to mention that uh, I think personally, you know, some people may dedicate on their itinerary one day to Cordoba, but I would say it warrants more than just a day. You're probably really, if you want to do it justice, a couple of days, two days, two full, two full days, really, I think it's worth it. I mean, people are quite keen to uh, just sort of tick it off on a trip from Seville, maybe, but I think personally, 
it warrants more time. If anyone's coming to Madrid, it's very well connected to Madrid. You can hop on the Ave high-speed uh, train to directly to Córdoba from uh, Madrid's Atocha station. And it's quite incredible. You can be there in, I think it's an hour and 40 minutes or an hour and a half you know, a different world away in, in such a small amount of time on the train. And if you're going down to Seville as well, it's a great place to stop for a few days on your itinerary. Yeah, it's uh, it's on the, on the same line, isn't it, from Madrid yes. down to Seville. Um, so it was a city of these, city of three cultures, as it's often referred to, I think. Muslims, Jews and Christians, they lived together peacefully for, for a long time. And it's, uh, as you mentioned, it became a real centre of learning in Europe uh, at the time. In fact, it was also one of the, I think it was the biggest city in Europe at, at that time, um, with about 250,000 inhabitants which uh, then was, was huge. Let's start our tour then. Let's set off. So we're going to look at uh, patios. You have mapped out a, a route for us, Karen, very kindly. Just to let everyone know, this is not the route that we're going to be doing next year when we do the event that was postponed from this year. This route that I chose today is the mo- is the route that goes through his- the heart of historic Cordoba. So by the Mesquita, by the um, through the Juderia, the Jewish neighborhood. And the reason I chose this route, well, a few reasons. We can also really talk about Cordoba history and stop at a bunch of places along the way, eat some good Spartac food later. But um, two, this route is not the one that I would most recommend doing in person. So I, I'm enjoying doing this route virtually because in person, this one gets a little more crowded than the rest. It goes, you know, right through the center of the historic heart of the city by the Mesquita where there's more crowds and more tourists. But I prefer the routes that are a little further out. But for audio recording and for a virtual tour and to show you photos and talk about Cordoba, the purple route is perfect. So that's why I chose this one. Just looking at the different routes that are available, actually, that you can do for the patios. And it looks to me like there are, what, some five or six different routes you can do in different neighborhoods of Córdoba? Yes, there's six different routes. And um, I would say other than the one that we're doing today and maybe the one that's really close to the Alcazar, the other ones are definitely more of a neighborhoody feel, more authentic Córdoba so, um, yeah, six routes, and you can pick up a map at the tourist center. Um, more or less, the routes are usually the same every year, but they can change up a bit. Sometimes different houses enter or take a year off. Because I think I don't think we've mentioned yet, but there is a contest too, where the um, where the where the homes are judged for best patio and best balcony, and there's different categories. So it's it's kind of like a friendly neighborhood competition as well. The owners are very proud about it and they display a little, there's like a little plaque or a little certificate, uh, you know, of uh, previous years when they've when they've won the competition or even when they've come second or third or something like that. Yeah, they love it. Like I've seen so many third place homes so many years in a row and it's like, yes, that's awesome. I mean, out of 50 patios, if you're getting number three, good job, especially yeah. when we talk about the maintenance. <laughs> Absolutely. For the listeners to this episode uh, who want to have a look at these routes, you can also find it on the Internet, right? There is a website which is patios.cordoba.es 
forward slash patios um, and it then it gives a, a a little map of the city and it and it plots the different routes as well so if anyone wants to have a look virtually uh, while they're listening to this episode head across to patios.cordoba.es forward slash es forward slash patios and you can see exactly where we're talking about, right? So we're going to look at the purple route. We've got red, green, yellow, blue, and kind of turquoise and purple. But we're going to do the purple route, uh, which takes us more through the centre of the city and past some of the, the key sites, right? Let's get started, shall we? Um, I'm imagining the kind of heat beating down on us at the moment. Uh, like you said earlier, Cordoba is one of the hottest cities in Spain, I think. It always seems to uh, be noticeably hotter, especially at this time of year than any other places. In fact, I was looking at the weather forecast, I think, two days ago. And two days ago, and that was the 3rd of May, so early May, it was already up to 36 degrees Celsius, <laughs> which is pushing 100 Fahrenheit so it's kind of something to be aware of I guess absolutely be aware of it bring a fan just like the Spaniards do and bring some water but um, also set out early in the day you can't really go during the afternoon heat that's when they're closed but um, it's going to be hot so just bring a fan and enjoy it Let's start out. We're going to start out at Calle de Judios, which actually means Jewish street. So as you can imagine, we're right in the middle of the Juderia, the old Jewish neighborhood in Córdoba. Number six. For those of you looking on the patio map, it is patio number 35. And what I love about this patio is entering it, you hear the water coming down from that big fountain right in the middle. of the courtyard and it's just so shady with all the vegetation especially feeling all that heat from the outside you know the little streets leading to the mesquita are starting to get crowded with visitors and day trippers but the patio that you just entered is just a refuge from all of that it's a really special private space where the owners who live right in the middle of cordoba right in the middle of the juderia can just enjoy some tranquil time I'm just looking at a picture now. So Calle Judios 6, number 6, whitewashed walls, terracotta tiles on the floor, and a lot of pots of geraniums on the walls. Beautiful. The other thing I can see in the photo is, um, which are very common in Spain on patios, is the uh, uh, these green plants with the long, thin uh, leaves um, called aspadistras, aspadistras, deep green leaves, long and pointy. They thrive in shady conditions, which is why you always see them in these patios. This is one of the patios that has more of the earthly colored pots. So the pots themselves aren't colored. As you can imagine, all the flowers add so much color. And then that fountain in the middle, star-shaped, you know, stri- yeah. definitely um, a huge... A, a huge part of Moorish Islamic architecture. While the pots themselves aren't really colorful, the patio space still is full of color and brightness. According to the website here, uh, it says that the house is uh, more than 300 years old and it was originally a candle factory. So next we're going to go to a patio that you can visit if you happen to be in Cordoba when La Fiesta de los Patios isn't going on. But it's called the uh, the patio of the Zoco de Artesanos, 
which is basically an art market in Cordoba where you can buy little, you know, trinkets to take home with you. So if you go to that art market, make sure to admire the patio as well while you're there. It's one of those ones that you can see year round. When everything's in bloom, you can climb that little staircase and get really beautiful photos of you with some of these uh, some of these planters with fresh flowers in them. Why don't we continue on to some of the patios that you that are more closed off to the public, if that makes sense? Where shall we head next? Right up the street, we're going to continue following the route to uh, Calle Cespedes, number 10. And I also want to point out that if you're looking at the map with us, this route, each of the routes has names. And this is all, this route is actually called the Juderia, which is the old Jewish quarter. So this is the route through the old Jewish quarter. Ruta Juderia, Cespedes 10, number 10, Cespedes Street. Thespedes uh, means like lawns or grasses, right? Thespedes lawn or grass, yeah, yeah. And you can see why when you're looking at this patio. So you enter and there's some tile work. There's um, there's a little fountain in the corner. Nothing as magnificent as the first fountain that we saw. You can also see that there's some archways with, with kind of old Moroccan, so Arabic lighting on them, Moorish lighting. Mm. But what, what's really sticking out to me is the green plants and that makes perfect sense being on grass slash lawn street it's quite a compact looking patio and i noticed that yeah we see we're seeing uh, examples of the azulejos tiles and uh, they've got sort of black and white diamond shaped uh, tiles on the floor and there's like underneath the plants you can see these kind of geometric uh, moorish uh, influenced design with geometric shapes and dark blue and orange and green and uh, little dots of yellow absolutely beautiful what a cozy looking patio that is I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Paul, that a lot of these patios are small. Um, Before social distancing became the norm, they really only allow a few people in at a time. And that's why, again, I I like going to some of the neighborhoods, too, and taking you on a virtual tour through this route, because sometimes the line can be a little long because these spaces are really small. But it usually moves pretty quickly. Just on that point, actually, I guess it's important to say uh, anyone wanting to come and do the patio routes, you don't have to book or do anything like that, do you? You you just show up, um, you get the map, you follow the route, you find the houses. And like you said, you can you may have to queue up or if you're lucky, if you go at a quieter time of day, you might be able to walk uh, straight in. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's see what happens, you know, after <laughs> next year. But let's hope that it remains the same. You just pick up the route map. It's free. You can go to as few or as many as you want during the designated hours. You can go back to patios that you've seen before that you've loved. It's really a patio free for all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is the owners of the houses don't charge money to go in usually. Right. But you can leave a donation. That's correct. Yeah. You'll see. um None of them charge to go in, but you'll see a lot of them have a little pot where you can leave a donation. And by a donation, we're talking about a few coins. Um, Some of them, too, will like have their friends over who can play flamenco guitar and like do a little flamenco concert in their patio. And you can leave a tip for them as well. But, yeah, you know, you're under really no obligation to buy anything. Some of them I've seen some of the larger patios have little tiny shops with some homemade goods or locally made goods. But again, it's not it's not a commercialized event. It's, you know, 
give what you can if and you know it's not even the norm necessarily it's almost like tipping for your favorite patios not everyone that you visit I'm just picturing myself in one of these patios now, especially when you mentioned someone playing flamenco guitar inside. I mean, how magical. We've got the orange trees, maybe the lingering scent of orange blossom. Flamenco guitar, the sound of the, the little fountain trickling in the middle of the courtyard. Surrounded by all of these beautiful coloured pots and uh, the flowers and uh, and the cool air of the interior patio. I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful environment to, to soak up. Should we continue on? Let's head to our next stop, Karen. Yeah, tell me, lead the way. What's our next patio? Now we're going to Calle Samuel de los Santos in there, number five, numero cinco. We're going down like a little dead end street to get here. You're going to think, wow, you know, why, why are we going so off such a tiny street? What can possibly be there? But if I had to vote for favorite patio on my route, on this route, this one would be it. You walk in. And you see the arches that are in the style of the Mesquita or the Alhambra, not painted, not in that elaborate, but you see those details. And then this patio features my favorite thing that a patio can feature, and it's the blue flower pots. Um, I'm going to take back what I said about all of the doors being painted the same color, because this one actually has a brown door. <laughs> but... You'll see if you come next year to the festival, you'll see some of the some of the true blue patios. But for this route, this is as close as we're going to get. And I absolutely love it. Um, just looking at those deep blue pots with those reds and pinks and fuchsia contrast. This was actually these colors were actually which um, inspired my brand and what I do, you know, doing trips to Spain and it's really the colors of Cordoba, if I think about it. Yeah. I just love the Islamic architectural features, the hanging blue pots, but they really just doubt that crisp whitewashed wall. I love that contrast of the blue pots against the whitewashed wall and then these explosions of red and pink and fuchsia is beautiful it looks quite stylized in this photo they've they've spaced the pots out a little bit more it seems to me because some of the patios the pots are really crammed in together quite closely this one looks like they've they've spaced them out a bit more evenly maybe i don't know yeah, I think so. You're definitely seeing that, like, more of the white wall, which in this case is also beautiful. Those blue flower pots, I just, I can look at them all day. I think they are my favourites too, these blue coloured pots. I, I'm going to put a few coins in the basket at the doorway as well. So what happens when you arrive at these houses? There's normally, uh, in my experience, uh, an old abuelo or an abuela, or both of them sat in a doorway on little wooden chairs uh, to sort of welcome, well, let's say hello, and they might have a little table and they'll have a little basket for you to put your coins in. Usually one of the abuelos or abuelas is there to welcome you. They usually have such thick Andalus accent, but... I love the Andalus accent. I'm not going to lie. I love saying adio as I leave the patios. Um, yeah. So there's usually one of the homeowners or the patio owners, I should say, to welcome you, an older member of the family. Sometimes so it's a family affair. Sometimes you see a multi-generational family or like a few neighbors who might like have a shared courtyard in some of the larger ones. 
all there to welcome you or they take shifts, but it's really nice and it's really personalized. Also, I think that we should mention when you talk about what do you see going in the patios, um, you know, anyone who's traveled around Spain knows that these little tiny streets, it's easy to get lost. So how they mark the patios that are part of the route and the competition is they put two big planters right out front, red, with kind of the logo, not the logo of the fiesta, but a, a, a seal of Cordoba, I think is what it is, if I remember correctly. And it's usually two kind of tall trees in these pots, and you know that you arrived. Okay, let's head on then. What's our next stop? Yeah. So actually, just up this little street, same street, um, but number nine, we arrive at the Casa Arabe, which means Arab house. And um, this, I really love these patios because they actually have four Moorish-style patios in the complex. And during the year, you can also, um, this the space hosts um, events and seminars and, and special events that really lead back to Spain's Islamic past. So art shows and movies and anything culturally Islamic you can find here. And a lot of it is open to the public. But yeah, in, you know, to, to go along with the style of what's being offered in the building, they have four beautiful Moorish style patios. Um, some of them are decorated in azulejos, which are, which are tiles, as Paul mentioned. And during the year, the center is open. Um, the patios aren't always, you know, completely done like they would be for La Fiesta, but you can still check it out and get an idea. Yeah, let's just mention that for a second. Um, so the the festival happens in the first two weeks of May when uh, uh, the majority of these patios, which are normally closed to the public, are open. But it's true to say that in other parts, other times of uh, the year, you can get inside and see some interior courtyards as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few other places that aren't on this route to see some of the other interior patios. Uh, Palacio de Viana is my favorite personally. Yeah, there are opportunities to see the patios of Cordoba without coming to the festival. You're listening to When in Spain. We're talking Cordoba and its patios with Spain travel consultant Karen Rosenblum. Stay with us as we visit the Mesquita, talk Cordoban food and tick off a few more patios on our route. You're listening to When in Spain. Let's actually double back for a moment, because as you can see on the route, we passed something that we skipped completely. And you were probably thinking, wait, why aren't we stopping at the Mesquita? Well, let's head back there. The route takes us right past the Mezquita, Mezquita Catedral de Córdoba, which is the mosque slash cathedral of Córdoba. Fascinating story behind this place. And it's beautiful. The fascinating story is basically that um, it was the mosque of Córdoba, the, the main Mezquita, with beautiful Islamic architecture and just on a grand scale. You know, if you think something like the Alhambra, this is this rivals that. However, after the Catholics conquered all of Spain, they built their Baroque slash Renaissance cathedral right on top of the mosque, the Mesquita. Legend says that the king at the time had some regrets about doing that, realizing that he had destroyed a beautiful place. But luckily for us, a lot of it is still intact. A lot of the original Mesquita. Should we wander in and have a look? Let's head in. Remember maybe in the future, the, uh, inside the 10th century mosque. Allah. 
now we're inside. Wow. Nice and cool in here. Uh, nice and cool. I mean, we'll go back to the patio in just a second. What is the thing that hits you when you first walk into the Mesquita? So you've probably all seen photos of them, those bright orange and white arches just everywhere. They almost look like candy canes, candy canes at Christmas time. But just thinking about those in archways with this beautiful bright golden orange and this kind of like, I guess, stucco white, I would describe it. And it just goes on and on and on. It mesmerizes me. It, it almost hypnotizes me in a way every time. So that's the first thing. But the other thing that I think is so important to mention about the mesquita is always look up because the ceiling, the beautiful Moorish style ceilings are just, they're going to blow you away. The intricate detail the lettering, the carvings, the way that the light hits, the use of the geometrical patterns, all everything that you think about in Moorish architecture, it's there and it's so beautiful and it's on such a grand scale and it's accessible almost because, you know, nobody, even though the, the mosquito itself might be crowded, if you look up, there's nobody up there. It's just the ceiling. When you walk into the Mesquita and you see those arches, each stone is red and white alternating. And it gives that stripy candy cane effect that you talked about, which are supported by these marble pillars. And when you look across the interior of the Mesquita, it looks it it makes me think of like a a forest of columns. There are so many of them. It's huge. It's a vast space. And it's like a forest of marble columns supporting all of these beautiful red and white striped arches Um, and it is just spectacular forest of columns might be the best way i've heard that described yes you feel like you're just surrounded by them but that's such a good description staying inside but let's have a look at what the christians did to the mosque it's interesting because this is also the cathedral of cordoba this is you know if you think about the cathedral of sevilla or the cathedral of granada or toledo this is where the mass takes place. Interesting, it's Baroque style, Renaissance style. It's an oddity for sure, but a beautiful one. And an an anachronism, really. It's completely out of place. I mean, it's a mosque. (laughs) And then suddenly you see this cathedral inside, which is very over the top and incredibly ornate. Go and Google the Mesquita of Córdoba. There are photos taken from right above the whole complex. Really gives you a really good idea of just how the cathedral was just built slap dab in the middle of this Mesquita, of this mosque. Because most of the mosque, looking at the roof, is kind of flat. It doesn't have spires and towers particularly. There is one tower at the uh, one of the entrances. But when we're talking about the actual mosque itself, it's, it's a fairly flat. And then right in the middle, kind of bursting through the roof you've got this cathedral which just looks so strange why don't we climb the bell tower to get a better view of the bird's eye view of the cathedral and the mosque on top of each other as well as the patio below speaking of patios there's um a beautiful one at the mesquita obviously opened year-round massive in size brimming with orange trees so imagine that scent in april or may cordoba signature fruit everywhere So now we're climbing up the bell tower. And the interesting thing about the bell tower is it was completely built by the Christians. It's where the minaret for the mosque used to stand, but that's gone now. And the Christians constructed their bell tower. We're up on top of the bell tower. 
that was a crime. We can look down onto the uh, patio. I mean, patio, it's, it's, it's a very big patio. <laughs> it's n- nothing to do with the patios we've been talking about in people's private houses. Palm trees, rows of orange trees, and he's got these big, tall and thin fir trees, I guess. And the view that you were just talking about of the cathedral built on top of the mosque, you can really get that bird's eye view from up here. You also get, if you look around, you get a beautiful view of Cordoba and the plains that it sits on. And you see, of course, like the, the old town, the Juderia, the Centro Historico. The city does sit on a river, on the river Guadalquivir, which runs all the way down. It's the same river that runs down through Seville. River City it kind of turns its back on the river a little bit. I suppose the main centre and the historic centre of the city isn't really right on the riverside, but you can do a nice walk down to the river and there's a, a, lovely, a, a lovely bridge, a beautiful bridge, a golden stone bridge called Puente de Miraflores and that takes you across to a park which is called Parque de Miraflores this is a little walk I remember doing the last time I was I was there it's quite nice because you from the bridge you can look down the river and you can look back up at the city as well you get a nice kind of skyline and you certainly get a great view of the Mezquita as well in the distance the best views are from the other side of the river and while we're talking about the Moors and the Jews we can talk a little bit about the Romans as well So basically leading from the Mesquita across the river is the Puente Romano, the Roman bridge. And while Cordoba isn't Merida or Tarragona, there are some Roman ruins, an old Roman theater, an archaeological museum as well. But um, really my favorite Roman ruins in Cordoba is is the bridge, the Puente Romano itself, because you can cross the river and then you can walk to the other bridge, the Puente de Miraflores, and get just a beautiful view all around. thinking, you know, talking about food. I'm getting a little bit hungry, Karen, with all this walking. Well, you know me, I always like to try and bring food into my podcast episodes whenever possible. <laughs> um, I mean, one traditional thing from Cordoba is, of course, salmorejo, the cooled tomato and bread soup. For people who haven't tried it, it might not sound much, a tomato and bread soup, but it's absolutely delicious, especially when it's hot in Cordoba and it's nice and it's served nice and chilled. Bread, tomato, garlic, some olive oil, uh, egg and jamón on the top. Um, Lovely. What else could we eat? Yeah, well, I was going to just say Samorejo is my favorite. Um, And, you know, it's always Samorejo or gazpacho is kind of the debate. I am firmly on Team Samarejo, but I have to say I take mine without the eggs and jamón because I'm vegetarian. So it's one of those dishes that anyone can enjoy, vegans too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just have to make sure to specify sin jamón. And if you don't do eggs, sin huevo, but yeah, this, yeah. that, or the other. Yeah, let's let's go try some Samarejo because the place that we're going does have it on the menu uh-huh. and does it really well. And also um, we're going to a restaurant called Casa Mazal, which Mazal is actually a word in Spartic, which is the old Jewish language of Cordoba, southern Spain. So basically, we're going to try some traditional old Spanish Jewish food right now. Um, Really, really unique to Cordoba. So I highly recommend, of course, what we talked about, the Samorejo. It is to die for. Um, There's also on the menu the berenjenas, which are the eggplant which are lightly fried with a little bit of honey and balsamic on them. Oh, my God, they bring French fries to shame. These are delicious, the berenjenas, dipped in a light batter, I suppose, fried, and then served on a plate, drizzled with a bit of 
honey sometimes balsamic vinegar oh my god i could eat i could eat hundreds of yeah oh me too and also um i want to mention the cheese because while you know galicia and asturias are really known for their cheese cordoba has its own cheese as well it comes from zujeros which is a little pueblo region outside of the city um, about an hour, hour and a half drive from Cordoba itself, the city. And I mean, the cheese is like a delicious sheep's milk cheese. It, it tastes so perfect and you can wash it down. There is some local wine in Cordoba, but I would say really what are what most people are drinking is either uh, sherry from Jerez or vermouth. One other thing I want to mention is if you go to Casa Mazal, make sure to save room for the dessert because those Spartac cookies are out of this world. They're like my grandma used to make. Oh, describe them for us. I've never tried them. What are they like, these cookies? They're very buttery. They melt in your mouth. <laughs> and a lot of times they come in shapes that you see out of Jewish and Islamic history. So I, for me, it's like the ones with the stars and the poppy seeds. And that's what my grandma used to make growing up. I will put a link in the show notes of the episode as well for anyone else who's uh, planning a trip to Cordoba in the future and wants to check out Casa Mathal. The other place I thought is worth mentioning on a visit to Cordoba as well is the Alcafa, the medieval fortress. Um, but inside it has um, beautiful gardens, which are sort of laid out in a sort of typical Moorish style, very geometric with water and fountains, ponds and streams laid into the into the ground. The gardens are, are the reason to visit. They're they're beautiful. They're beautiful especially if you really like these Moorish-style gardens. So if you really enjoyed the Generalife in Granada or um, the, the gardens at the Alcazar in Sevilla, make sure to check out the ones in Córdoba as well at their Alcazar. Lots yeah. of Alcazars. <laughs> there are little avenues inside of orange trees, little orange groves almost, which you can walk through and you can sit under in the shade. Uh, fountains, I mean, again, it's another magical place to go and sit and relax. Absolutely stunning. Yeah, and imagine that in April when those orange trees are in bloom. Heavenly. The smell of orange blossom is got to be one of my favourite things, which incidentally, orange blossom in Spanish is one of the, for me, one of the most difficult words to pronounce is abaa. Sometimes when I go shopping in Cordoba, I like to bring back some abaa, um, like scented items. Shall we do one more stop on the patios tour? So I've got yeah. a, a question as well about the patios that I wanted to put to you. So where should we yeah. where should we head to? Why don't we go to our last patio. This one is actually one that is open to the public year round as well. It's in the Museum of Fine Arts, so Museo de Bellas Artes in Córdoba. Um, you can visit the patio any time of year. What I like about this one is when you enter, it's just that garden. You feel like a moment of, of, of very tranquil greenery in the middle of sort of a congested, for Cordoba at least, we're not talking Los Angeles or London, but a, con a congested part of the city. I also really like this one too, because again, if you can't come to Cordoba in the, it, during La Fiesta de los Patios, it's one that you can visit. The walkways in this patio are beautiful. They're made with patterned stone and there's orange trees blooming. You can see these geometric stone pattern walkways 
that lead to a fountain in the middle with kind of blue accents, white and blue accents. It just makes for a really simple, colorful patio without the flower pots. Yeah, that's right. The floor is is amazing. The floor of the courtyard is amazing. They, they are like tiny stones, black and white, laid into the ground, making these beautiful patterns. Um, you've got stars and plants and leaves and geometric patterns. The question I wanted to ask you, how do they water all of these plants? I mean, let's imagine we've got hundreds of these, these geraniums in pots that go up and down these walls. And I'm talking, you know, two or sometimes maybe three stories tall it must take ages it takes two to three hours that's for a smaller patio what they do it's not a you know conventional watering system that we think of it's not like they spray them all with a hose it's this long pole where they water pretty much each individual plant but then also the water drips down but it's just a very peculiar process Karen, I've got to say, it's been an absolute pleasure. I almost, for a split second, thought I was in Cordoba with you, wandering those streets and those patios. Um, it's like I've just woken up from a little dream. I mean, I hope we've managed to transport listeners to Cordoba through our little virtual tour today. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you so much for being a big part of our virtual patios week here at Travel Spain. <laughs> So there you go, guys. That was Karen Rosenblum. That was Cordoba and its beautiful patios, the Mezquita, the Alcaza, some food, a bit of everything. Cordoba is a stunning city, as we said, easily accessible from Seville or Madrid. And if you haven't been there before and you're planning a trip to Spain or especially to Andalusia, do not overlook Cordoba. And as I said in the interview with Karen, I think it really warrants more than just one day. Give it a full weekend to really soak up its wonderful atmosphere. If you like to find out more about Cordoba and the patios competition Karen's put together a little guide on her website which is spainlesstraveled.com I'll drop the link in the show notes of this episode and also go and check out her Facebook group as well it's travel Spain with the explanation mark uh, go and search it in Facebook. Amazing active community that she's created, about 5,000 members. If you've got any uh, questions about traveling in Spain, anywhere in Spain at all, it's an absolute mine of information uh, for all parts of Spain as well. So go and check uh, Karen's Facebook page out as well. And if you're new around these parts uh, to When in Spain and maybe you've discovered the podcast through Karen's Travel Spain Facebook group, well, stick with us because When in Spain has 70 episodes in the back catalogue all about Spain, culture, lifestyle, travel, insights, practical advice, fantastic guests and uh, new episodes every week. And When in Spain also has its own Facebook community as well. So if you'd like to come and join us, come and find When in Spain on Facebook. 
when in spain is on instagram the handle you need to follow us is when in spain one and just one more reminder before i go if you do enjoy this podcast please do consider supporting this podcast and the work that i do in putting it together uh, by signing up to become a when in spain patron you can do so quickly and easily at patreon.com forward slash when in spain there are numerous tiers that you can pledge at Uh, the lowest is three dollars for a shout out on the podcast episode you can uh, uh, adjust that down to one dollar per month if you like there are other tiers at five ten and beyond for any new patrons who sign up at the five dollar or above tier you get access to when in spain bonus content as well so if you enjoy the show please do consider supporting me and indeed supporting the other when in spain patrons who kindly pledge money every month to keep this show going it's hugely appreciated and every dollar really does count so i'll leave it there for this week i hope you enjoyed our stroll around the streets and patios of cordoba and join us again next week for another episode of the when in spain podcast until then hasta luego (laughs) 